Good morning, Positivity listeners. It is Sunday the 7th of March. The sun is not quite shining, but I have the best song to put you right in the good moods. I was so young, I was so dumb when I gave you my heart. Think you're so mean, think you're so clean in your old classic car. But honestly, look at me deceiving, you look good from afar. But when you're up close, you're a loser and you lower the listeners welcome to fresh air radio at freshair.org.uk that was the amazing wafia with her song i'm good i hope you all had a good week what did you get up to anything fun anything exciting anything different quite hard to be a bit different at the moment with lockdown 
I managed to persevere this week through more than just the first episode of Shit's Creek. Now I watched the first episode ages ago and I don't know, is it just me? I really hated it. Like I really, there was such a hype about it and I love the levy. So I was like, okay, I'm going to really enjoy this. Put it on first 20 minutes, first episode ended not wowed like not even to the point where I was intrigued like point blank did not want to watch it like complete tropes of characters really didn't enjoy the betrayal of the different individuals and it just seemed really over the top and the mum just screamed through the whole episode and I was not not a fan but literally the amount of people that have told me that it's fantastic and, and then use the words you just have to get through the first four or five episodes so I've given it a go against my better judgment because I feel like something a pilot a tv pilot is there to grab you from the off show you what the tone of the tv is going to be about and then give you the hook that's going to bring you back I don't feel like I got any of that from the first episode of Shit's Creek but I know they're only 20 minutes long <clears throat> so realistically Arguably, what a 20 minutes um, TV show could do, you could get three of those into a sort of 45 minute an hour first pilot. So, I thought about it um, and I've come back to the realization that I'll give it a go. I'm at about episode five or six now, and they're very watchable 20 minute long episodes. So, I'm going to buy into it for a bit longer. Um, but there are a few other series that I've got lined up. Don't know if any of you have watched them yet. There is a Hayley Steinfield. Um, series that was actually first released in 2019 so I can't believe it's only just appeared in my peripherals because it is a period drama and I love a period drama. If you're not sure about period dramas it has an 87% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and that website I tell you it does not lie. The story, the series is called Dickinson and it's a coming of age comedy series which follows the life of the author Emily Dickinson as she tries to find her place as an author in what is a man's world. So I can't wait to get started. I'll give you an update um, next week once I've probably watched the whole series in about three seconds flat. So stay tuned for that. Another one I've actually just started is called Atypical, um, which is a Netflix comedy series which follows a teenage boy called Sam who has autism. It's sharply written, it's comic, but it also packs a real sucker punch of some hard hitting truths and well worth a watch. This week on Positivity, we are celebrating International Women's Day, which is Monday the 8th of March, so tomorrow. But this whole month is actually International Women's Month. So this week, similar to last week, I've got less than 10 stories for you, but they're explored in more depth, they're more richly diverse and interesting to do specifically with women in history. If you've been to the show before, it's time for you to go and grab that tea, brew, gin and tonic, tenants, whatever your tipple is if you've not been here before. This next song is just a pause, a break, about three minutes of time to just really switch off, turn everything off, turn your devices off, except from the device you're listening to this one on, keep that one on, and just really turn, on, turn off from the outside world. Give yourself an hour of just you time with some positive news stories and some music that you might not have heard before because I've really dived into the sort of emerging female artists and maybe artists that aren't as big on Spotify. So hopefully there'll also be a couple of new songs for you to add to your playlists. Speaking of, our next song is by Alina Berez. It is called More Than Enough. 
She's done a lot of songs, um, quite a few featuring Khalid as well, and I love Khalid. So um, one I'd recommend is called Electric, but the one I've chosen for you today is just her. You know, this is International Women's Day. So this is a song which is just all Alina, and it's called More Than Enough. I really like it, and I hope you do too. You got away with words You take away the hurt And it's a blessing and a curse to feel it all You got away with me You put me in my place when I'm petty Give me what I want when I'm ready I'm always hold it down Anybody else I'd be gone by now Doesn't really Welcome back. This is Positivity with me, Emily, on Fresh Air Radio at freshair.org.uk. Today's show is specifically focused on International Women's Day. If you've just stumbled across us, that's me stumbling over my words. If you've just stumbled across us, um, thank you for joining. Welcome. I hope you enjoy the ride. We've got an hour of feel-good stories and feel-good music. This week specifically focused on women. So story number one. A nine-year-old girl creates the More Than Peach art kits that offer different skin colour crayons. This is a a nine-year-old girl called Bellen Woodard and her mother has been quoted to say that the premise of this story and the reason that she's started to act is that she wanted to share something that would both inspire creativity and celebrate individuality. So, who is she? Bellen has made a name for herself by launching her More Than Peach project, where she creates art kits that have packs of Crayola's multicultural crayons inside, emphasising how the peach crayon is not the only skin colour crayon option. 
Now, Bellin says that her inspiration for this project stems from her own experience with her third grade classmates at a school in Virginia. Basically, she was colouring with her friends and she said that her friends asked her for the skin coloured crayon. And she recalls that she knew that they meant the peach crayon. But she also knew that that was a colour that didn't reflect her own skin tone. Um, and she says that she really wants to, she, her mum, she had a conversation with her mum and her mum was saying that she should go back and and, hand, and you know and explicitly sort of call them out on it but she responded in a way that she said she wanted to explain to people um, and kind of and bring them along you know it was about inclusivity and not kind of creating any any divide or, or barrier between her and her classmates but it was about just in, including them in the process and educating them um, as to what that means for her, you know, to hear skin-coloured crayon and assume that they, that the, the, the actual crayon, the peach crayon is actually called skin colour. They all have their own names in Crayola and the peach one is called skin colour, which is awful. And it goes back to the, you know, it harks onto many, many instances in this where, you know, plasters, for example, is another example. Plasters are made in a skin tone, but the skin tone is nude. It's a pale skin tone. It's They, they don't have a, a range of colours for different skin tones and different skin colours. Same with ballet shoes. Ballet shoes is another one which very recently and you know painfully recently have ballet shoes become differentiating in the tones of colour that you can get in ballet shoes because before ballet shoes were just peach because that was the colour. Ballet shoes were meant to you're meant to not be able to see the difference between the leg to the shoe especially when you're on point you know it's cr create this flowing movement of dance style um, but obviously as a as a dancer of colour you're there's going to be a difference between the shoe and your skin coat colour and therefore ballet shoes have started to also replicate this um, inclusivity which should have been done a long long time ago um, and this is something that Bellin's project really encapsulates um, so what she did is that she started this project called More Than Peach and she used $200 that she'd been saving from um, a modelling contract she did with Walmart, I think it was. And she combined that together to buy some of these starter packs. And they are $5 a pack. It includes um, multicultural crayons, the colour range from Crayola, um, in pencil crayon and crayon. A notepad um, which says, be you, be brilliant, which I think is amazing um, and she's basically her, her aim is to, to send these out to all of the art schools around her area and at least one to every um, grade of class in her school and schools around her region and she's actually created a real storm on the internet um, which is incredible to see another comment that I really liked from her article is that it says, as Bellin gets older, she tells People, which is the magazine where this story was from, that she wants to continue her project, but also pursue a career as an actor, astronaut, and scientist, which really struck out for me because um, I find 
It's sad that there are so many children of previous generations that were really shoehorned into these gender-specific roles of society. I know girls wanted to be nurses or teachers and boys wanted to be footballers or um, scientists or engineers. Um, there's been a big push recently to change, to turn the tide on this and to change the mindset. You know, they, there's, there's been so many studies where I can't think of the one off the top of my head, but there's so many studies that I've read about where classes, you know, young children have been asked to draw a doctor, and then draw a firefighter, draw a teacher, draw a nurse, etc, etc. And they always draw the job with the gender that has been historically related to that specific role. You know, the nurses are women and the firefighters are men. Um, and this just shows like the inerrant and the deep rooted gender focus and gender bias that we put across these roles which don't need to be there. Um, so the fact that she wants to be an actor, an astronaut and a scientist is just fantastic because there's a big push at the moment for women in STEM. There was an International Women in STEM Day um, recently celebrating all the amazing women um, who are part of STEM and it's just expressing and exposing young children to the notion that you can be anything you want to be and this works vice versa right this isn't just about women this is about young boys as well wanting to do roles that are maybe primarily focused towards women caregivers nurses teachers and expressing that they can do those things as well and the what was it recently Barbie actually um, made the news quite recently I think even in the last year or two because you know Barbie's always been very stereotypically white um, is the first thing uh, and this figure which is just so unattainable um, as a body image and she always did roles that were like well she'd always have like a pink convertible I think I had a Barbie with a pink convertible um, she'd always be like a gymnast or a, or a swimmer like a diver or something um, and they've recently Barbie have released a range of Barbies with an uh, with many different skin tones which is incredible to see but also they made a project where they focused on STEM and they made Barbies that were astronauts they made Barbies that were engineers they made Barbies that were scientists and then girls would be able to go to the shops or go to school and play with a toy and see that toy dressed as an astronaut or an engineer and it's just the littlest things like that which can start planting the seed for girls at such a young age that they can then grow into the jobs that we need them you know by telling girls they can't be hot you know a, a certain job and vice versa telling boys they can't be a, a specific job cuts out 50 percent of the population who could grow and enrich and develop that industry which they're not being allowed access to because of historic gender norms that we've put into place which is just ludicrous so that's Bellin. Um, if you want to know more please go and read up about her um, please go and support her. There's a lot of news articles at the moment and it's just great to keep that alive because what she's doing is incredibly powerful and even more powerful for the fact that she's only nine years old. The next song that I've got for you now is an artist called Girl in Red. Really, really great artist. Would highly recommend her. Um, she's got a lot of songs out on Spotify. Um, I came across her quite recently actually but she's big in the music world. This is Girl in Red and her song is Forget Her. 
you're listening to Positivity with me, Emily. This is Sunday, the 7th of March, and it is International Women's Day tomorrow. So our show today is all about International Women's Day 2021. That was Girl in Red with Forget Her. She is an openly gay female artist. Her songs are incredible. Go and check them out. Although one thing I have to note is that all her song titles don't have capitalizations, which is not an issue per se, but it, it does kind of slightly impact and affect my grammar police vibes that I give off. Um, so if you can see past that, you know, which you can, it, it, it just, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh God, I'd love to just put a capital letter in there, honestly. Story number two and story number three. Um, and I have two stories that are interconnected and at their core is something which is called the gender data gap. But before we go into the stories fully, I wanted to give a backdrop to paint the picture to share the true impact of the stories. Now, I've definitely, definitely spoken before about this book I'm reading called Invisible Women. It's about the gender data gap, which if you've not heard the term before, and like me, I, I hadn't before I read the book, instead of me doing not doing it justice that it deserves, I'm going to read an excerpt from the book itself. The book is called Invisible Women, and it's by... Caroline Criado Perez. Um, I'm gonna <laughs> gonna read it out. I feel a little bit like I'm about to do a reading of my own book, or re- you know, live out my dream of audiobook um, reading, channeling my inner Stephen Fry vibes. Here we go. This is a definition of the gender data gap. Most of recorded human history is one big data gap, starting with the theory of man the hunter. The chronicles of the past have left little space for women's role in the evolution of humanity, whether cultural or biological. Instead, the lives of men have been taken to represent those of humans overall. When it comes to the lives of the other half of humanity, there is often nothing but silence. And these silences are everywhere. Our entire culture is riddled with them. Films, news, literature, science, city planning, economics. The stories we tell ourselves about our past, present and future. They are all marked, disfigured, by a female-shaped, absent present. This is the gender data gap. Now this is a a statistical non-fiction book packed with hundreds of footnotes from hundreds of studies that Perez researched in creating the book. Now you might be thinking, Whoa, like a statistical non-fiction, sure that's a real page turner Emily, but dear listeners, you will find you'll be in for a treat if you give it a go. Um, Indeed on the front cover actually, Um, you know on the front cover of a book they have all those popping eye-catching quotes from like big famous authors that are like, five star, you know, would recommend, total read. The actual quote, one of the quotes at the front says, hugely readable, which I have to agree with. It's real page turner, which I was surprised at because I'm not really a fan of nonfiction, to be honest. It has taken me a lot longer to read through it than other books. I, it's not one you can just rattle through. Um, I tried to read The Ten Types of Human. Um, I wouldn't say it's quite that dense to read because that is a, a real heifer of a book if you've not read it like it, it's probably something I'm going to have to commit to for the rest of my life like just reading a little bit at a time it's just a couple of hundred pages um, and I w- would highly highly recommend it there is a small warning note that I want to give if you're about to read this book once you've read it 
you can't undo the knowledge in your brain and I have experienced a slightly overwhelming feeling of just how deeply ingrained sexism is in society. The point Perez makes repeatedly about the gender data gap is that it doesn't arise from intentional deliberate sexism but mostly from the fact that decision makers of every stage of life from urban planning to transport to there's a chapter on snow clearing are men and without the female perspective in the room where it happens the results are innately sexist. The Apple Watch is an example that she gives in the book. Now when the Apple Watch was launched it could it was you know revolutionary it was groundbreaking technology and it could track a whole host of data which let's be honest most of us would never use or care about aside from learning the terminology as a way of showing off about what your new watch could do but the one thing it can't do which most women might want it to do is track your period and for the reason of that because the reason for that is that all the people in the room were men so with this in mind here is a marvellous story of what happened in Iceland. It's called The Long Friday, and it's about a day in Iceland where all the women went on strike. Again, I'm going to read an excerpt from the novel, um, only because I just don't want to do it injustice. Um, she writes so beautifully, and I just don't want to butcher that with my terrible paraphrasing about what the story's about. So, <clears throat> here we go. Chapter 3. The Long Friday. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, don't worry. <laughs> Settle in guys, because the rest of the hour is just going to be me reading this book to you. Um, I wish, maybe I'll do that as a spin-off. Um, you actually can buy it uh, as an audiobook, so, so don't worry, you don't have to listen to me rattle on. You can actually listen to Perez, which is a much better way of listening. Anyway, The Long Friday. By the end of the day, 24th of October 1975, came to be known by Icelandic men as the Long Friday. Supermarkets sold out of sausages, the favourite ready meal of the time. Offices were suddenly flooded with children, hopped up on the sweets they'd been bribed with in an effort to make them behave. Schools, nurseries, fish factories, all either shut down or ran at reduced capacity. And the women? Well, the women were having a day off. 1975 had been declared by the UN as a women's year, and in Iceland women were determined to make it count. A committee was set up with representatives from Iceland's five biggest women organisations. After some discussion, they came up with the idea of a strike. On the 24th of October, no woman in Iceland would do a lick of work, no paid work, but also no cooking, no cleaning and no childcare. Let the men of Iceland see how they coped without the invisible work women did every day to keep the country moving. 90% of Icelandic women took part in the strike. Now this is huge, not only because it was this one of probably one of the biggest same-sex strikes, um, especially in Iceland, but probably ever recorded. I'm making that start up, that's not from Perez. Um, but also that women make up 75% of the unpaid work in society, which is actually, you know, childcare, caring for relatives, the shopping, <laughs> the, you know, the essential shopping, not just hitting the shops when the shops open again, 75%. And so the impact of this strike was that a year later in 1976, Iceland passed the Gender Equality Act, which outlawed sex discrimination in workplaces and schools. And five years later, Iceland voted in the world's first democratically elected female head of state. Iceland today is one of the most gender equal parliaments in the world. And in 2017, the country topped 
the World Economic Forum's Global Gender Gap Index for, for the eighth year running. It's also been named by The Economist as the best country to be a working woman. So, excuse me while I pack up everything I own and swiftly move to Iceland to continue my career as a working woman. I could talk about The Invisible Woman all day, um, and if reading isn't up your street or you're looking for a new educational podcast or audiobook for the 777th walk you're going to do this month, the audiobook is available on Audible, um, if that makes statistics easier to hear um, rather than reading them, although I cannot promise it will make them any easier to swallow. Moving on to my next song for you now, this is an artist called Dea, really big fan of her music, if you haven't heard it before, get her on Spotify playlist right now. This is her song, it's so addictive, you'll be humming it for days, it's called Sit Still, Look Pretty. Could dress up, to get love, guess what, I'm never gonna be that girl, who's living in a Barbie world, could wake up, and make up, and play dumb, pretending that I need a boy. Treat me like a toy I know the other girlies wanna wear expensive things Like diamond rings But I don't wanna be the puppet that you're playing on a string This queen don't need a king Oh, I don't know what you've been told But this guy right here's gonna rule the world Yeah, that is where I'm gonna be Because I wanna be No, I don't wanna sit still, look pretty You get up, running at two, five Dream of picket fences and trophy Pretty hurts and 
listeners, you're listening to Positivity International Women's Day with me, Emily, on freshair.org.uk. We're about halfway through the show, so probably about half past two if you're listening to me live. We are at story number three, which is actually the longest I think it's ever taken me to get to story number three on a positivity podcast, but I'm having the time of my life. This is probably one of the most fun recordings I've done, maybe bar the last week's one on LGBT, but because I could just talk about it for days that you're probably lucky that we're actually actually at story number three I probably could have been still on story number one by the time it's got to half an hour through the show story number three is a smaller one I promise it builds off the last one we the last story so I hope you're listening about you heard it the invisible woman this uh, isn't from that book but when I read it it really pulled me back to what I had read already about what Perez had been writing the story is that Mumbai traffic lights have got more inclusive. Traffic lights in Mumbai got a makeover with the addition of a female figure rather than typical male stick figures. Now, that's the story. Um, There's so much more to unpack from that. Um, I've seen articles of this happening. Uh, You know, small incremental steps made by decisions in government and planning to replace the male body with that of a female image to make women more visible in society now i've seen pushbacks and tweets and and backlash about things like this which is like women don't want you know women don't want women traffic light signals women want equality and job security and end of discrimination right I totally appreciate that and don't we all there's something that I think we need to connect with though that on a deeper level on a a societal level it's important that these things change because actually you can't do the bigger picture stuff without chipping away at the small stuff and I think that's what the invisible woman really hones in on is that it's like we can't really change we can't just make women um, you know, we can't just get to equal rights for women. We can't just get there overnight because there's so much work we have to undo in the fabrics of society before society as a whole can change its mindset to accept, not even just accept, but promote and and really buy into and embrace equality for women. Because one of the things you read, one of the things you, you kind of get a sense of, and it's now becoming really apparent, and I had a, a conversation with my friend Chloe the other day about this because we were both getting a little bit like stressed out about um, the, the imbalance of gender equality, but that there is so much, you know, now I've said it, just, just one day when you go out for a walk or if you're listening to something or you're at work, just listen to how many times the male pronoun is used as gender neutral and see how many times the male stick figure of a man is used for gender neutral because it is staggering and it's something that you probably haven't noticed before because it's just part of society you're not you've not been drawn to it you've not been shown it directly under a microscope well here's the microscope go out and look at the world and see how you can see things in a different way traffic lights is just the start of it pedestrian crossings everything that has a sign of a human it will be gender neutral and if it's not if it will be intended to be gender neutral but it's not it's a man and when it's not a man it's a woman and what's a woman wearing she's wearing a skirt and what's that say about women oh we have to wear skirts and the question that is in the is in the book 
Invisible Woman is there's a question which just hangs there, which is what would a gender neutral human figure sign actually look like? Because gender neutral should just be the stick figure of a human, but the stick figure of a human has become completely synonymous with a male figure and the female figure has to wear a skirt in order for her to be visible as a female figure which is just ludicrous so I understand the backlash that people are giving about well you know we actually just want to be paid the same and the gender pay gap is ludicrous in the UK it's about 18% I mean the average over the world is I think it's around 34% so okay in the UK we're about 18.5% which is better than average but it's still 18.5% let's like not forget that there's loads of big hitting goals we have to reach but to do that we have to start understanding and, and undoing the fabric of society in how we just assume that the male is the gender neutral the male is is just the standard now there is an argument on the other side which is man can be short for human that that, that is where man you know comes from mankind humankind we shortened it down it was man it's easier to say than human but what we have to understand is that Man also isn't just a shortened form of human, man is a man and woman is a woman. So we have to break that down further to understand that are we using man as a, by trying to use man as a, a shorthand for human, we're actually unintentionally putting the implication into the fact that that is now man, not short for humankind, it's the male form of the human being and that's where the problem arises. I've probably ruined society for you um, in one fill swoop. I can't now listen to anything where they talk about people but they say man. I can't see signs where they mean people and they show a man. It's everywhere. It's a bit overwhelming about how much there is to do but books like this break that down and they show us the baby steps we need to take to start being able to make the big steps outwardly um, in society. So if I haven't, you know, won you over, go and read it, please, because it's fucking insane. The next song I have for you is by an artist called Kalia Uchis, and it is called Telepathia. I just came across this really recently. Her songs are so good. This is one of my favourites that I picked out for you. This is Telepathia in Joy.
How good was that? I hope you haven't heard that song before because I do revel in playing songs for people for the first time. Because there's something about the first time you hear a song, like, I don't know about you, but I have like Shazam on my phone and I, I could be just like anywhere, like in a supermarket, walking around a shop, in the car, not driving obviously, and being a passenger, and it will just be like some song will come on and I'll just know immediately whether I like it or not, and then Shazam will come out, I will save it, and it will be added to the playlist. So I hope that you enjoyed that song and you can add to your playlist because it's so good. We are about 50 minutes left of the show. I've got another story for you now. This is a sporting story uh, and I'm saying sport because it is a sport and people might argue that it's not a sport, but it is. This is about Masako Katsura and she is otherwise known in um, tabloids as the first lady of billiards. And actually, if you go on Google today, um, the little, I don't know what the snazzy word for it is, the little Google image that comes up is her. It's her today, so if you go on Google today, you don't even need to Google it, you can just click on the icon and it will come up all about her story, but I'm gonna tell you about it first. So, born in Tokyo, Japan in 1913, Masako Katsura was taught how to play billiards at age 12 by her brother-in-law who owned a games room. Within three years, Katsura earned the title of Japanese female champion in straight rail. Now, Straight rail, for those of you who don't know a lot about billiards, um, is a variant where the cue ball has to, so the cue ball is a white ball, the cue ball needs to hit two balls in a row in order to score any points. Just so you're up to speed, a little bit of knowledge for you there. Immigrating to the United States with her new husband at the end of 1951, she was invited to participate in the 1952 World Three Cushion Billiards Tournament by impressing eight-time world champion Welker Cochran. Three cushion billiards, it's another, another learning for you. Three cushion billiards, if you aren't aware, is a particularly challenging variant of the game where the cue ball must hit at least three cushions before striking two other balls to earn points. And if you watch the little Google icon, um, you'll see that she's playing like variants of the game. Um, and you can, now that you know what a uh, straight rail and a three cushion billiards are, you'll be able to spot which one she's playing on the Google image. Now, she made history at this tournament which took place on March the 7th, 1952 by being the first woman to be included in an international billiards championship. During the event, it was expected that she would not be able to hold her own against the men, but Katsura proved them all wrong by taking seventh place. Her victory that day opened the door for women to play billiards and prove that women were more than capable of facing even the greatest men of the sport. Now, I think this is a really fascinating story because, I mean, for me personally, um, I really like billiards. I really like snooker. I really like pool. I'm a bit of a weirdo in that regard, I guess. Um, that's a bad thing. I shouldn't say that. I'm not a weirdo. 
you're a weirdo if you don't like billiards, snooker or pool. Pooker. <laughs> um, billiards, snooker or pool. Um, I don't know what it is about it. Like, if you've never watched it, watch it. I guess, I don't like watching cricket, but I guess maybe it's the same if you like watching cricket to how I feel about watching snooker. Because I guess I watched it loads when I used to go to my grandma's a lot. So I used to go to my grandma's when I was younger my sister and I five years apart so I used to go to my grandma's a lot and I would sit and we would eat cucumber sandwiches but no bread so it'd be like cucumber grated cheese and then a slice of cucumber and that would be the sandwich um, and we would watch snooker and I used to love it I don't know what it is I find it really relaxing now and I'm not sure if I find it relaxing because of the sport or if I find it relaxing because it reminds me of like if, because of the sit like the symbolism that it has with like being with my grandma and being relaxed and being you know cared for and looked after I'm not sure if it's the game or if it's bringing up feelings of comfort and safety but for some reason I find it really relaxing I think it's like the knock of the cue and the commentators have really soft voices like it's obviously not a sport where it's like oh my god he's gonna hit the jackpot like I mean it can be that exciting if you actually you know follow the rules um but they're very, just very softly spoken and it's very relaxing. The one thing about uh, snooker is that I've yet to see um, a female snooker champion in the game. You know, like it's all men, it's only men. And when I was younger, I had like a mini snooker table with like teeny teeny balls and like little snooker cues that I used to play. And I used to really imagine that I was going to be the first female snooker champion. Um, what a dream to share on the radio. I'm not sure if that's going to win or lose me friends, but it's true. Um, and yeah, it's just like, it's a sport which isn't, I just, I don't get it because it's a sport that's not, you don't need strength, which is something that, you know, genet genetically, um, men are, can be genetically stronger than women. It's not, you don't need strength for it, you don't need height for it, you don't need anything that was is synonymous with the male body. Yet there's just not any women in the sport, and, and darts is a similar one. And I think they maybe come from an element of them being like pub games, you know, like snooker and darts. They're games that you maybe grew up in the pub with. Although, saying, speak to my mum about that because I challenged her to a game of pool once, confidently thinking that I was going to beat her, and she absolutely wiped the floor with me because she said, and her words, and I quote, she spent a lot of years in bars at university, so she knows a thing or two about snooker and darts, which hats off to her. My mum is an absolute powerhouse in that regard she can like work her way around a dartboard she used to do that when she was revising for her like chemistry what a woman of the forefronted woman but she used to play darts um, while she was revising for her like chemistry exams at uni she would like go around the dartboard and get every single point and then like do the next pages of her revision which I think is mad so my mom is a real symbol that you know there is a space for women in those sports but you just don't see them there is a female uh, there are a couple of female darts professional players that I've seen um, in the news but never snooker and uh, maybe I'm if I'm misguided please correct me but I would like to see a female snooker player coming through and challenging the greats that would be my sporting dream another song for you now this is by Toki Monster um, again I hope I'm pronouncing it right but it's T-O-K, small I, and then monster with an A at the end, and it's but it's featuring Yuna. Um, Yuna is um, an artist I played recently. Um, she did a cover, which I really, really enjoyed, and I played that a while back. So this is, um, she's featuring on this track. The track is called Don't Call Me, and I'll play it for you now. I never thought this love could go so wrong And so it is, and you know that I moved on 
Hello, welcome back to Positivity International Women's Day Special with me, Emily, on freshair.org.uk. That was Tokyo Monster featuring Yuna with their song, Don't Call Me. What great beats, like, especially at the end, I was gonna... Sometimes, like, you have to cut songs a bit short, the brutality of the radio, um, because you just don't have the time, and sometimes the ending can go on for quite a long time, and on the radio it just makes sense to kind of cut it a bit short, speak over the top, and away you go. I didn't want to, though, those beats at the end, like, it's a really good, I love it, it's very, very hypnotic, I really enjoy the kind of, like, techno-pop style, love it. If you haven't heard it, I really hope you enjoyed it, add it to your playlists. There's actually, um... Uh, a lesson to be learned actually from the artist herself, real name Jennifer Lee. Um, she was diagnosed um, with Moy- it's Moya 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 disease. Um, the condition affects blood flow to the brain, and eventually she had, she had to undergo two brain surgeries, which caused her briefly to lose comprehension skills and the ability to understand music. Um, there's a Vox Netflix series explained to show Lee sharing the difficulties of relearning how to produce. Um, Don't Call Me is a lead single which came off a 2017 album, Loon Rogue, which was released less than two years after her brain surgery, which is an incredible story to a credible comeback story. She had to relearn how to produce music because of her surgery and then she goes on to produce something like that, which is just awe-inspiring. We have about six minutes left of the show. Um, I really want to get my last story in for you. This, so I'm gonna rattle through, here we go. Story number five. The number of female CEOs in the Fortune 500 hit an all-time record. Now the Fortune 500, a ranking of America's largest companies, reached a new record for women leaders in 2020, with 37 of the companies being led by women as compared to 33 last year. A new high for women leaders marks the continuing trend of more women CEOs and while that mark it still makes less than 10% of female leadership at the Fortune 500 is a trend that we need to celebrate since just 20 years ago there were only two women CEOs in Fortune 500 companies. Now linking to that is a story that I really wanted to shout about. You might have seen it before, it was kind of, it went all over the news, my media sort of blew up about it. The Bumble CEO became the female became a female billionaire, and because she took her company public with the sun on her hip. Now Whitney Wolfheard is 31. She also has a cracking name. Let's just say that first and foremost. Whitney Wolfheard. She is now the youngest female CEO to take a company public, with shares of Bumble soaring nearly 70% in its trading debut. Wolfheard also became the youngest self-made female billionaire. Now, she founded Bumble in 2014 after an acrimonious split from Tinder, which is a dating app she also co-founded, so bit of big name in the dating world. Alongside a female-driven management team, she's focused the Austin-based company on a female empowerment message since its inception. The dating app stands out for letting women, quote-unquote, make the first move, which is one of the company's slogans. Now, self-made women account for less than 5% of the world's 500 biggest fortunes. And in addition to Bumble, just two of the, just two of the more than 500 companies that have gone public in the US in the past year were founded by women. Let's let that sink in. There was just two of more than 500 companies that went public in the US in the last year, which have been female-led. 
and furthermore to that, Bumble's board compromises 73% women and its management team compromises 54% women. Now these are huge, huge numbers when you actually compare the average of female leaders in companies and in management boards and politicians and let's just face it, any big decision-making rooms of the world, you're going to find far, far, far less women in those rooms than you should be finding, especially for 2021. And so I think this was a huge news story because it was so rare. But one of the things that Wolf Heard talks about in the articles that I've read is that she doesn't want it to be a news story that we need to shout about because she wants this to be the norm. It shouldn't be that she's the first female-made billionaire. It shouldn't be that she's one of a very small percentage of women making an or and pub and making companies public in America. You know, this should be worldwide. This should be something that is happening more and more and more frequently but in business the people in higher positions of management are typically men and women are held to a certain level of management that is you know shows security but it doesn't maybe tip the boat enough to challenge male dominance in these worlds that was my last story. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the show. It was an absolute joy. I could have talked on every single story for way, way more than I did. I've really had to actually try and cut them short. Thank you for listening to Positivity International Women's Day special. It is March the 8th, so that's tomorrow, International Women's Day. Celebrate all the amazing women in the world, past, present, and hopefully future. Thank you for listening. This was freshair.org.uk with me, Emily. You can listen to all my shows on Spotify and on Anchor. I'll post them all after they've been live, live aired on Fresh Air on Sundays, 2 till 3 p.m. Tune in next week for another great show, another amazing array of stories and some more amazing music. The last song I'm going to leave you with now is a different style than I'm used to. Um... Closey uh, is an artist who makes quite ethereal sounding songs. I was trying to think of the best word. They use the word spiritual, but I just don't like the connotations that you can have with that. Um, the music is amazing. It's really captivating. I hope you enjoy it. It's an artist I hadn't heard before, and I really, really hope you enjoy her. This is her song, Koto. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. Have a good week, and I'll see you next Sunday at 2 to 3 o'clock on Fresh Air Radio.